The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle, Michelle Vargas. And together we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, so please let us know what's on your mind. We would really love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Hold em or Fold em? That's a question. As the old song tells us, sometimes we need to hold on to things and sometimes we need to let go. Fortunately for us in addiction recovery, we make a spiritual practice of taking personal inventory as a way of life. If we find we are wrong, we promptly admit it. If we persevere in this practice, we find a meaningful purpose in life. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on when to hold them and when to fold them on the path to purposeful living. So we want to share with you today what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with the spiritual tools or principles that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to talk about moving from confusion to clarity of purpose through the power of understanding. So our our question here is what was my experience of confusion? And you're going to love my first note. I wrote not thinking clearly. (laughs) (laughs) That, that, Amen. I was having a moment of brilliance when I jotted (laughs) down that confusion to me meant not thinking clearly, (laughs) but that, that is a true statement about, um, my time, especially, you know, late active addiction and early recovery, not thinking clearly. That was one of those things that um, was largely invisible to me at the time. Mm -hmm. Although, honestly, by the time it was time for me to be done, you know, to turn in my drinking card, I like to say that the universe revoked my drinking license. Uh, By the time my drinking license was revoked, even I had become aware 
that my thinking was not exactly clear at that time. <laughs> now, it got more clear, I would say fairly quickly. Quickly doesn't mean the next day or even a couple days, but I'm going to say in the next few months, it began to clear up, and it kept getting better. And I remember hearing from old-timers, right, people who had been around, I think our group's definitions, uh, you know, casual definition of an old-timer was somebody who's been in 20 years sober or more. Um, old-timers would say that you don't really get your mind back until about five years. And I was like, wow, really? <laughs> and I, I, I kind of didn't believe it because I'm special. I yes, don't know, of course. Know Yours came back much quicker. <clears throat> right, yeah. <laughs> Except that it didn't. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those things that you, I don't know. It was, um, hey, it's more clear now than it's ever been. That was a true statement through the first bunch of years, right? But when I hit about year five, I realized that, man, those old guys were telling the truth. Because, and here's the good news, it's not about when you hit a number or whether the, whether it's true or not about you get your mind back after five years. The good news is it gets better and better and better. So my experience of confusion, not thinking very clearly, the upside of that is that it gets better over time. The, from the moment I put the bottle down, it began to get better. And I'm I'm very grateful for that. It gets better and better until you hit middle age and then it starts getting worse. <laughs> yeah, what happened? I mean, yesterday I got about 10 minutes into my workout and looked down and I had two different color shoes on. <laughs> did That's I stop style. my workout? No, I did not. I did the whole rest of the workout with two different shoes on. I didn't care. But that kind of thing still happens to me, so I'm not sure what my excuse there is. <laughs> But what you're talking about when you say it gets better and better, um, what occurred to me is that getting sober is not an event, but a process, right? Yeah. So I don't know what a doctor would say physiologically about when the alcohol is out of our system or when our cells have regenerated themselves. I, I'm not sure, you know, I think that kind of thing actually happens fairly quickly, but we're not really talking about, you know, the actual physiological process of the alcohol removing itself from our bodies. We're talking about a sort of waking up, right? I think of sobriety as being an awake life, whereas um, when we're in active addiction of any kind, there's a part of us that's sort of asleep, sort of just going through life without a lot of awareness, right? And so for me, the process of getting sober was a process of waking up and waking up to a lot of things, a lot, a lot of things, because there was so much that I was not awake to. And so I think maybe that's a little bit what you mean when you talk about it getting better and better is that you know, we talk so much about the recovery process as being like layers, you know, peeling away layers of an onion. And there's, so there's, first, there's just the actual cloud of the alcohol use. But then there are so many other layers that are um, keeping us from being fully awake to our lives and to ourselves. And so we start to peel them away. You know, there's layers of um, what in unity we would call error thought, you know, ways of thinking that we're not real that weren't right you know we had 
ways of seeing things that were not accurate and were not um, helpful or effective. And so we start to peel those away. And then we get to these layers of, you know, really deeply ingrained beliefs about ourselves that we didn't know we were operating out of because we weren't awake to them. And, and sometimes it's the things that you're least awake to that are really driving you the most, you know. Um, and so as as we go through that process of waking up in sobriety, it's basically waking up to more and more layers of things that need to be peeled away so that we can get to what's real underneath. Yeah, I like that description. That's been my experience as well. You know, that <laughs> I love this. I heard this joke from my cousin the first time I heard it. He said, what, what's the redneck's last words? Hold my beer. <laughs> and I loved that because uh, he, you have to know him. He's the perfect person to share that uh, particular wisdom. But what that re just reminds me of is bad decisions related yeah. to alcohol, right? Yeah. Hold my beer. I'm going <laughs> to. Watch what I'm going to do next. I don't even want to know. <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> but I certainly, you know, I, I count that under the you know the heading of confusion maybe the confusion there is is this a good idea or not or what is a good idea or not yeah. and and like you had started to say there um you know that that joke is you know about someone that's been drinking but when you drink like we did uh, I don't need any alcohol in my bloodstream in order to be impaired. And I don't mean impaired, like, you know, not pass a breathalyzer or not be able right. to drive. I mean, my thinking was impaired um, just from years of uh, abuse by alcohol over time. And so when that happens, bad decisions are just part of the, yeah. you know, part of the landscape. I think I'd shared before about the time I dropped a couch on my car. Did I tell you yeah. about that? Yes, but I'd love to hear it again. See, no one could ever forget that story. <laughs> you know, like we do. We've, I think we all have dropped a couch on a car. Am I right? <laughs> uh, no, actually, we all have not dropped a couch on a car. <laughs> but so it's not, it, it is and it isn't as bad as I um, am, am getting at. I was moving a couch, nothing wrong with that. We even had someone helping me, you know, nothing wrong with that. And we had it on a hand truck. But you know how it is, if you had a couple of drinks, just the board, you know, the just the edges of what is yeah. this a good, it's just stable, kind of it's just gonna fall over, ah, it'll be fine. It'll you be know, fine. well, it wasn't fine and it was a heavy couch and I didn't literally like lift it up and drop it on top of the car, but it fell over and dented <laughs> the side of the car. I like to exaggerate it by saying that I dropped a couch on the car because, you know, that's a better sounding story. But, you know, it's embarrassing to have things like that, to have poor judgment yeah. show up in a dent on your car. How'd that happen? I'm not talking yeah. about it. I'm not telling you how that happened. It wasn't <laughs> me. It was the couch. <laughs> not my fault. But, you know, what was my experience of confusion? That's part of it, too. Just confused about what is or is not a good idea. Yeah. What is or is not sound thinking, you know? Yeah. And again, it comes back to, like, what, what I strive for now is what I would call conscious living. Because what I had before was unconscious, right? So um, 
just like, you know, your couch story, I have many stories where I just sort of ended up in situations and couldn't really, you know, it wasn't like I had consciously chosen for something to happen or for, to put myself in a situation. I just found myself in situations. <laughs> I found myself in relationships. I found myself in these various scenarios, but there had never been any conscious choice to 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 do those things. That's just where I ended up. So for me, sobriety has been about getting back my ability to choose. So my, my equivalent of the couch story is, and this is perfect for uh, St. Patrick's Day, which is what, tomorrow? Or coming up here very soon? Uh, my, no, my... I, I quit drinking, so it fell off. Yeah, no, I know, right? That's a, definitely a drinking holiday. It's tomorrow. But my couch story involves green beer, and it's basically just, you know, that um, I was in graduate school. I think I, I've shared before that we always had these keggers every Friday afternoon. That's what happens when you go to an expensive graduate school. They provide kegs of Sam Adams beer for you on Friday afternoons. <laughs> it was a good thing. But, you know, this particular St. Patrick's Day drinking holiday extraordinaire, I was very sick and I was not going to go out and drink because I had a really bad cold. But then as the thinking goes, right, I'll just stop and say hi to everybody in the quad, you know, just, just say <laughs> hi. I know where this is going. Yeah. I was just going to stop and say hi on my way home to take care of myself. Next thing I know, it's two in the morning and I'm ordering another green beer to go with the three, you know, pints of green beer I already have lined up in front of me. But you always have to order something at last call, right? Even, yeah, you right. know, and it's like it's it was the green beer. The green beer did it. But again, it was this, you know, once we start drinking or using whatever our, you know, addiction of choices, uh we lose the ability to choose. We lose the ability to determine, you know, to consciously make decisions. We just find ourselves in situations. So that's not a good way to live. It wasn't I like for me. that. What you said reminded me of this joke I'd heard. I don't remember the comedian. said, nobody goes to Denny's. You end up at Denny's. <laughs> nobody actually goes there. That's true. <laughs> I know. I love that. Well, uh, we've talked a lot about this challenge. We've embarrassed ourselves enough for talking yeah. about this challenge of confusion. So thankfully, it's time to move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And so the spiritual principles that we have found helpful in moving out of confusion and into clarity of purpose is through using the power of understanding. But this, like all the Unity's 12 powers, is a pretty broad principle. And I know for me, I've found that in order for something to be helpful, I kind of need tools and steps that are more simple and practical. So I ask, what does the power of understanding look like in real life for me as a practical tool or an action? Michelle, what, lay, it, lay it on us. Well, okay, so, you know, we do have these 12 powers in unity, and if we look up the power of understanding, it's defined as the ability to know, perceive, and apprehend. So, again, for me, if I'm going to have that ability to know, perceive, and apprehend, I need to be awake. I need to be sort of conscious and aware, and that's what was missing before I got sober. So, um, it's again sort of an awakeness and and what it, it's really been for me sobriety and recovery has been a journey of self 
awakeness, self-awareness. So as I mentioned previously, I had all these things that were operating in my life, right? That were causing me to find myself in situations that I just couldn't imagine how I'd gotten into. You know, why am I having this same interpersonal conflict with, with different people in my life over and over again? Why do I keep making these choices that turn out, you know, X, Y, or Z? Well, it's because there were things operating underneath that I was not aware of. Yeah. So for me, understanding is, is a journey of self-awareness. I had to find out what was going on inside of me. Essentially, in Fillmorean language, I had to root out the error thought, the error consciousness. I had to see what were these um, untrue error beliefs that were operating, that were creating these scenarios in my life that felt like I wasn't choosing because I, I, had, I didn't have the power of choice. So again, that self-awareness and self-knowledge, you know, we talk about in recovery, know thyself and to thine own self be true. And, you know, it sounds very self-focused uh, and it is to a certain extent. There's a part of recovery that has to be very self-focused because we've got so much to learn about ourselves and why we behave the way we do so that we can begin to um, change those things. So I would say that's a really big part of the power of, of understanding is becoming self-aware. And once we become self-aware, then we can become aware of others. You know, it's like once I realize that I have all these things operating that are causing me to act in a certain way, then I realize that everyone else has those things too. Yeah. You know, and so it helps me to begin to understand where others are coming from. I like that. So power of understanding, right? When I, when I think about this, I'm always reminded of the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite nerdy spiritual growth frameworks. And of course, one of the reasons I love it, I say, of course, as if you know, um, is that on the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 5, and Enneagram 5 is motivated by understanding. The, yeah. the sort of primary MO, the way that my mind is wired, says, if I can just understand how this works or what's going on, then I can be okay mm -hmm. in the world. And so understanding how things work it became a primary motivation. And a, the upside is you get really, really good at it, right? There's, it's, a, it's definitely a strong skill to have, but nothing is good when you were out of balance right. Right, with, with other things. And so <clears throat> the power of understanding what it means to me, I think where it starts to get really helpful is, the, is what I'll call the ability to see beyond appearances Mm -hmm. into reality, which takes some doing. And I agree with what you just said, that that, that journey really begins within, yes. right? Because our own consciousness is the lens through which we experience the yeah. entire world. Absolutely. And so everything that I experience is filtered through my own consciousness. So if my goal is to... Um, you know, uh, develop my ability to see beyond appearances and into deeper reality or what we might yeah. call spiritual reality. Yes. Um, I need to, I need to clean my lens. Yep. Right. So that always, yeah, exactly. that always means that I begin within. Now, if that's all I do, 
then I'm just, just another way of being self-centered, right? right? And so, of course, just like we live with our breathing, inhale and exhale both and alternate, that's what has worked best for me. And if all I'm doing is inhaling because it's all about me, that's not going to work for very long, yeah. right? So I need to look within, and this is what our, you know, our prayer and meditation practices are for. This is what right. step work helps with is getting some insight into kind of like, what is my deal? You know, what yeah. is transpiring within me? And the more clear that I can become on that, the more of service I can be in the world. Yeah. And so it's a dual purpose. Uh, but the part about being in service in the world is equally as important. We have to do both. Right. So anyway, when I think about the power of understanding, it begins with, something I'm well familiar with, figuring out how stuff works, and yeah. then realizing that one of the things I need to understand how it works is my own consciousness, and right. because then I can show up as a force for good in the world for others. Yes, I love what you said about cleaning the lens, because I love metaphors, and it's like, um, you know, when when we haven't cleared away any of the clutter of our own... Uh, our own confusion, our own uh, error thought, our own false beliefs. Um, it's like we're looking through really dirty glasses. You're a glasses wearer. You maybe don't wear them 24-7 like I do. Well, not when I'm sleeping, obviously, but I feel like I have these things on constantly because I can't see a thing without them. They are always dirty. I'm forever cleaning them, you know, and, you know, I mean, to me, a couple of little specks looks like, oh, I can't see, I can't see, you know, because it's right there in front of you and it's clouding everything, you know? And so it's kind of like that. It's like, like you said, our consciousness is the lens through which we experience our lives. And the thing is, is that pure Christ consciousness is it's in there, but we've got really dirty glasses on, yeah. you know, every day we get up and put on these glasses. For me, I put on glasses that say, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable you know, whatever, just all of the beliefs that I had about myself and about the way the world worked was like having really, really dirty glasses. And so um, understanding for me has been starting to starting to get a better handle on how things work in this universe so that I, it's like cleaning those glasses so I can start to see things more clearly. One of the things I learned early um, because I came into unity and early sobriety was about, you know, our third unity principle, which we call the law of mind action. So learning that essentially I'm looking through dirty glasses and they are creating my experience of reality. Yeah. And that was a huge awakening to me. And this, this notion has become pretty popular and sort of popular psychology or popular spirituality the secret and things like that it gets a little distorted but the idea is still you know important that there is no like a you know objective reality we're all living in a subjective reality that is you know dictated by what's in our own consciousness and just having that realization was huge to me it was like okay and that means everybody else is doing that too so you know, like how, you know, some a, a situation can happen, let's say a car crash or, or a conflict between people and everyone is going to have a different 
experience of it. They're each going to, if you separated them and they described what happened, they're going to describe it totally differently. So before I got sober and found unity, I had this idea that there was an objective reality. There was something that actually did happen and we're all just experiencing it differently. Now, my, through the power of understanding, I've come to understand that there really is no objective reality. We are, we are each actively creating our experience of reality through this lens that we're looking through. And so there was an arrogance in thinking that my experience of reality was the correct one. And now I've, I've come to understand that each one of us is making up our own reality. So mine isn't any more real than anybody else's. And that was like taking off the film, you know, a huge coating of film on the glasses that I was seeing life through um, really shifted the way I see things. Yeah, I, I love that. I love it because it you're, you're bringing in some deep truths about perception yeah. and about consciousness and the yeah. nature of the world, you know, a, uh, one of my favorite, favorite uh, Bible tie-ins is to Genesis 1, right? So Genesis 1 is, is the seven-day creation story. To me, one of the main takeaways from that is that, you know, and this is the ancient Hebrews understanding explanation of how all this came to be, right. but there's deep truth in it. And the deep truth in it is that it came from something. Yeah. I don't know what we they called it. God, God created in the beginning. God, there's nothing before God in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth and that, that we are, uh, we inherit this. We are made in the image and likeness of whatever it is that created everything that we perceive, yeah. which tells me we inherited that ability. In fact, that is who we are at the very core of who we are. We are creators of worlds. And we create our own world and we're so good at it. We don't even know that we're doing it. Yeah. That's how, that's That's how good we are at it. Now that can work against us, right? When I think, Hey, what's wrong with you? I mean, obviously this is how things are, but you don't get it. You're not with the program. You know, that can cause a lot of trouble when I'm self-centered like that. And and I think everyone else is just some failed attempt at being me. (laughs) Right. Which, you know, that's a tempting thought, but not particularly helpful. Uh, but when I realized that, okay, so I did create the my experience of the world. I didn't create the mountain, but I create my experience in, of the mountain. Uh, the good news and the bad news is that I am responsible for my experience in the world. That's sort of the bad news. But it's the good news because I can do something about it. And only I can do something about it. Nobody can help me with my distress. Only I can. But let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We hope that you'll please stay with us. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing first um, confusion, right? And living in that confusion, that lack of awareness. And then we moved into talking about the power of understanding and what that means. So now we're going to talk about how we use the power of understanding to move from confusion into a clarity of purpose or a, a life with clarity of purpose. You know, we were just talking on the break there at the end of the first segment about this amazing uh, reality of of our cre- we creating our experience, right? Which is a double edged sword. Uh, it means I'm responsible for my experience, but it also means that I can actually do something about it. Right. And the um, the most powerful expression of that that I've heard, and and this just was really um, underscored by the whole recovery process, recovery community, 12-step spirituality, all of the above. And it's and it is this. I don't know where I heard this first, but it's true that nobody can do my inner work for me. Only I can do my inner work, but it's equally true that I can't do it alone. I cannot do it alone. It's yeah. it's it's like a paradox that mm-hmm. No one can do it for me, yet I can't do it alone. It it needs to happen in community, which is why a church can be so powerful, because a church can be. I, I'm not saying it always is by default, but it certainly can be um, an environment in which we can each do our inner work and be in community. Of course, uh, 12-step community ideal to me, that's the ideal place, because you know, in general, it's been my experience in general that people who are uh, in a 12-step community are fairly dedicated yep. to their spiritual growth path. We are not messing around. Right. <laughs> because literally, our, my, literally, my life depends on it. Yeah. And I don't say that in, you know, with the thought of desperation, like, oh, man, I better. But just a thought of, like, resolve and commitment and intention is like, look, man, this is important. Once I've decided this is important and I'm doing it, I can really enjoy myself. And I do enjoy myself. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't sit there with this feeling of dread, like, oh, I better do this or I'm going right. to die. You know, I may have, I, I know that I felt that way in the beginning a little bit, but that was not inappropriate <laughs> given where I was coming <laughs> from. That was probably actually very helpful. Um, but I don't hang on to that. Anyway, nobody can do my inner work for me, but I cannot do it alone. Um, it has been remarkably helpful to me. Yeah. I, you know, I think what you were talking about, it's, there could, you know, there could be certain aspects of the work that we sort of dread. I mean, everybody, you know, the fourth step gets a really bad rap. Everybody talks about dreading doing the fourth step. But the thing is, is, um, when we can really sort of hunker down and do some of that work, I know for me, my experience was that I started reaping the benefits very quickly. 
you know, the fog started to be lifted and the, the film started to be removed from the lenses and I started getting those benefits and feeling better. So it motivated me to do more work, you know, so there, there, it's a very, uh, very high return on our investment, you know, and I think that it's like so many things in life, what we, the return that we get is uh, directly proportional to what, you know, what we put into it. So yeah, it works if you work it right. Yeah, exactly. And it works to the extent that we work it, you know? And so when we start getting some of those benefits, when we start feeling some of that heaviness lift and we start experiencing that freedom, that happy, joyous, and free, those moments of just very carefree bliss. It's like, yeah, I want more of that. You know, if the work I did up until now got me that, if I work even harder, I can get more of that. And, you know, as good addicts, if some is good, more is better. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, that works for me. I got to give me some more of that. <laughs> but this is a different, this isn't going to bottom us out. This just gets better and better and better. The more work we do, the more we reap the benefits and the, the bigger return we get on it. So, yes. So how did we use the power of understanding to move from confusion to clarity? I love that word clarity, clarity of purpose, you know, to me, clarity of purpose. I mean, it means a number of things. It means on a daily basis, knowing what is mine to do, knowing what the next thing is that I need to do. But it also has sort of an over, you know, a big, a big clarity of purpose, which is knowing what my purpose is. What am I here for? You know, what is, I had a feeling early, you know, in my life or in early adulthood when I was still drinking. Well, maybe it's just kind of common to young people, but I had this existential angst, you know, what is it all for? Very dramatic, you know, where, where is this all going? What am I here for? And um, I'm sort of belittling it, but that, that existential angst can actually be quite painful if, if there's no sense of yeah. you know, what, what I'm here for. And so, um, the biggest clarity that I have gotten is what my purpose is, you know, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to put that into a 15 second soundbite, but I'm very clear on what my purpose is here in terms of, you know, that it's for my spiritual growth, that I'm here to grow and help others grow and to know God more and to uncover more and more of my true Christ self and to live happy, joyous, and free. So once I get really clear that that's my purpose, it makes a lot of things clear in life, you know, in terms of, you know, we talk about, we talk a lot in ministry about our mission statement as a church and that once you come up with this mission statement, everything, all the decisions that the church makes, that your community makes should be in service to that mission, right? So this is kind of like a personal mission statement. What is my purpose, you know? And I don't mean purpose like a job or whatever. What is my overarching purpose? And then um, every decision I make should be in service to that. So once I had that real sense of my purpose, that I was here for a spiritual purpose. I was not here to drink more green beer. I was not here to rack up accolades to hang on my wall. Those things, well, not the green beer, but the accolades might be nice, but that is not my real purpose. So once I got really clear that I had a spiritual purpose in being here, then it made all the decisions I needed to make in my life a lot easier. That makes sense. I just pictured you trying to hang the green beer on the wall. 
<laughs> and I thought that's one of those decisions we, I thought we got to quit talking about in the first. Oh boy. You know what comes to mind for me, and and uh, I'm always inspired by what you share, and and I always realize that what I thought I was going to say is not what I'm saying. Uh, you know that I'm not going to yeah. try and explain that. I'm sure many of our listeners have had that experience, but I heard from many people early on, "Don't quit before the miracle," mm-hmm. which in a way is a little deceptive because miracles singular when they say that, and there's more than one. But it's almost like I could see don't quit before the next miracle, the next miracle because yeah. it keeps happening. Although, I mean, granted, in the beginning, exactly the way that it's stated is the right way. Don't quit before the miracle. You know, yeah. once that miracle happens, then you keep going and you realize that there are more. But one of the first miracles for me was the realization that there is a solution. We have a book chapter called that. There is a solution to this problem. I'm Thank goodness that there's a solution to me. That was a miracle because I didn't have one. And clearly my way wasn't working at all. And the, to what, to me, what the second one was, and I think this is what the, you know, the old timers are talking about when, when we hear don't quit before the miracle, the miracle is that I no longer crave alcohol. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that will happen for all of us Mm -hmm. at some point. Um, just like the the literature says about the promises, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I mean, it might go away in two weeks, a month, three months, a year, but it's going to go away. It will leave us. And that was, to me, the second miracle after realizing uh, that there is a solution is to really feeling that work and and realizing that I don't, I don't, my mind, you know, I don't have that um, inexplicable piece of me that's saying like at all times you need to go get a drink, right? That went away. And so that was wonderful. So power of understanding. I mean, we're talking about clearing away confusion, I guess is what I'm thinking about with those things. Now, as far as, um, Clarity of purpose, that always mystified me for a long time. I think I misunderstood what it was because I think I I used to think I had to go out and discover it, find it or create it Mm -hmm. somehow. Uh, And I realized that I can't really create it. I mean, I can choose it. And ultimately, I believe at the end of the day, that's what I actually do, Um, though it doesn't feel like that. But even though I can't create it, I can create a space where it will arise. So that's a little bit of like a spirit weirdo thing to say, but any of us who do like a sitting meditation will get what that means about just step aside and it will just happen. But I got to get myself out of the way. It's like the part of my brain that's convinced that it has to go find it and it has to discover it. And it really, really, really needs to know it that is actually what is preventing it from arising in me. And if I can just calm down, right, if I can just relax, then uh, things will get a lot better for me. And that's what I had found. That's what I found to be true. Yeah, you know, I really believe that each one of us has a real clear purpose and not not in a narrow sense, but, um, you know, we each have a purpose in being here. There is some 
something special, you know, that each of us is meant to do. And I don't mean necessarily a job or, you know, that type of thing. It could be a calling or it could be, it could be, you know, something else, but we each have something that is for us to do. Let's put it that way and utilizes what is strongest in us, what is best in us, you know? Um, but it's like, we come into life with all this stuff on top of it, all this stuff layered over the top of it. So for me, it's been a process. Like I keep talking about this peeling away. It's like taking all this stuff that isn't that away so that what my clear purpose is can become clear. You know, it's like that famous, you know, explanation about the sculptor who's, you know, how do you, how do you uh, create this sculpture? Well, I chip away at everything that is not it, you know, and that's what it's been like for me chipping away at everything that is not in service to my highest purpose and then my purpose um can come shining through you know and and it's and it's in my case my purpose has been revealed to me slowly over time but again having that having that real clear sense of purpose that my overall purpose is a spiritual one and not a material one has guided all the decisions i've made in my life and I've had some crossroads in my life where I had to make some pretty tough decisions. And I've never regretted the decisions that I made um, in that way. You know, like just for example, when um, I had my son and I needed to make a decision whether to go back to my full-time teaching job or not. And all logic, all exterior you know, what, what people, people quote unquote would say would be, well, don't leave your job. You worked years and years and years to get this position. You know, you're in this tenure track position. You don't leave that. And so conventional wisdom would have said, no, 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 do not leave that. But I had this clarity of purpose that my purpose in life was a spiritual one. It wasn't about having that glory of that position. And, and I was being told very clearly in my heart that my purpose was to be the best mom I could be to my son who ended up having special needs and ended up really needing me to be available to him full time, which I didn't know at the time I made that decision. Wow. But this clear purpose was there. It's like, no, I don't care what conventional wisdom says. I, I just know what I need to do. I know it. And, you know, and it, so, so for me, it was the right decision and I've never regretted decisions that I made in that way. So what I'm getting at is that the power of understanding also for me has to do with um, accessing that inner knowing, you know, and I can't access it if I'm drunk and I can't access it if I'm so burdened with self-loathing and shame and you know just all kinds of stuff and and if i'm engaging in other types of addictive behaviors i can't get at that you know very well and so um understanding has been learning how to access that you know um how to tune into myself how to and how to be true to myself again there's that saying to thine own self be true to be true to myself and what i feel i'm being called to do not what society says I should do or other people think I should do you know I've made decisions in my life that were not very popular ones but they were always the right ones for me and the only reason I was able to make those choices is because I was sober and had that clarity of purpose and had that awakeness 
you know, that was, was engaging in conscious living, making conscious choices, not just finding myself in a job or finding myself in a relationship and not knowing how I got there. You know, I, I, um, was making conscious decisions and that has never, ever steered me wrong. Yeah. That's a wonderful gift of sobriety from what I'm hearing. And, And my experience of that is uh, I think similar to what you're saying. It, if you just do the work, you know, if you if I just put one foot in front of the other, those things unfold. I don't have to go wrestle them from the universe. Right. They just show up. Yep. If I do my part in it, yep. and that's a, a both a difficult thing because I want those things, and so I think I have to go get them, but that doesn't work. And so I have to sort of let that idea go and do this other stuff. And then ironically, those other things just show up, yep. right? Seek ye first the kingdom and all yes. the rest will be added to you. That is exactly what that, what that means. Yes. In fact, it's that kind of statement from Jesus in the gospels that I'm like, that guy knows <laughs> what is what. That guy knows the man. what's going on. I'm just blown away. Yes. Yes. That guy knows, man. That's Love why I'm a follower. Jesus you know, and so I'm thinking that this, you know, this process of getting out away from confusion and, and toward clarity, to me, it's sort of two sources. It's calmness and clarity. There's a couple kind of go-tos. So calmness, I, I have found that, and this is, I'm not saying this is universal because I recognize this is just sort of part of my personality too. It's easy or for me to do this than perhaps for others, but I can uh, approach what can be challenging situations still from a place of, from calmness. Right. And this is again, what our meditation practice and a prayer practice can um, help us to experience is that, you know, it's that idea that even in the biggest ocean uh, storm in the middle of the ocean, even in the biggest storm in the middle of the ocean, you don't have to go down that far in order for it to be nothing. I mean, this you don't even, you go down 20 feet and it's not even there, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe it has to be 30, but you don't have to go to the bottom of the ocean to get away from the storms that are on the surface. You just have to be connected um, somewhat deeply. And then what I find is that, and here's the clarity, that it's easier to see what's the right thing to do, or just like you were saying, or what at least what's not the right thing to do, Yeah. because that might be all I need. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for the answer. I don't know the answer. Well, I know that this is not the answer, so I'm that much further ahead. That's a good thing. Because I crossed that off and of the list of possibilities, leaving, like you were saying with the sculptor and all that, leaving only that, which could be, yeah. you know, the, the way forward. Yes. So between those two things, uh, you know, finding, finding a way to touch the calmness that, that is within us mm-hmm. and then um, being able to experience through the clarity that just naturally comes from that. Uh, and I have found that helpful. And just it's like just take a breath and relax is a big part of it for me. Yeah. You know, I might look calm on the outside, but I got a lot going. <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes. There's a lot of strands in old Duder's head. You know, at any moment in time. It's like if I play cards, I cannot remember what Trump is, right? 
And people are like, how can you not remember? We just said it. I'm like, yeah, but a lot has happened in the three <laughs> seconds since you said that. Trust me. I got a lot going on here. I love busy, that. I got a busy company in my head here. I love that metaphor that our minds are like, you know, a computer with, you know, 50 windows open and they're all doing something, you know, scripts running in the background. And then where's that music coming from? (laughs) Something has started playing automatically and it's running in the back. Yes, that is the way our minds can be. So I'm glad that you brought up meditation. Let's talk about that a little bit, because if you're new to meditation, you might say, well, when I sit down to meditate, the last thing I feel like is that calm under the storm. Exactly, right. And so what I wanted to say about that is that the more we practice meditation, the more quickly we become able to access that place. That's been my experience. I did not access that right away. It took time for me to cultivate that place. Um, and that's, you know, the good news and the bad news. And it comes and goes, too. It comes right? and goes. I may yes. have a period of time where I feel like I can just sort of sit down and get in a groove, and then all of a sudden it goes away. I'm like, what happened? Yeah. You know, but there's no, what I'm saying, there's no problem. There's nothing wrong. No, it no, doesn't no. mean that anything's wrong. I'm not doing it wrong. Yeah. But I like, you know, we're really working the metaphors today. I love metaphors. Um, Jesus spoke in metaphors and allegories and such. But I love that metaphor of the storm and the sea. And you just go down a few feet and there's calm. And that's very much what meditation has become like for me. And the more I do it, the quicker I can find that place. So I can now pretty quickly get to that place that's a few feet under. The storm is still raging above me. But I'm sort of in this calm place and it's like a time out where I get to be in that calm place for a while and give my brain a rest and um, get some peace, get connected to spirit. And that is where my clarity of purpose comes from. Now, it doesn't always come in the moment of meditation. Like I don't get these voices like, thanks for showing up and meditating, Michelle. Here's what you need to do next. But what I do find is the more I seek that place, the more the clarity comes to me. Absolutely. Well, we have said a whole lot about this topic. You know, we could talk for another hour about meditation. I know that you and I could do this. Maybe we should. Maybe we'll do that next week. But let's try to step back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum all this up as if. So here's the way we like to do that. Uh, Pose a hypothetical question. Uh, Reverend Michelle, if someone came up to you and asked you, Uh, Hey, Reverend Michelle, in a nutshell, what are some simple steps I can take or simple tools I can use to find clarity of purpose in my life? What would you say? Oh, my goodness. Well, what we've just been talking about, prayer and meditation, obviously. I mean, we sound like a broken record. That's our solution to everything. (laughs) But it really is, right? Because that's where we cultivate that connection with God or with divine mind, which is the source of all understanding. That's how we access it. Um, so spending time in in communion with God, with divine mind, in whatever way that looks for us. Um, some type of quiet. I don't like to always say silence because then people feel like they don't get silence, so they think they're not doing it right. So it's quiet contemplation. And if that turns into silence, good for you. It never has awesome. for me. No. <laughs> no, it never has. But that's where we can get the divine guidance, and that's where we can get that inner knowing and that intuition, and um, and that's where we can learn um, what is ours to do, and that's essentially what we're trying to find is what is mine to do. 
It's, it's different for each of us. I'm going to try and answer. I have a couple of quotes, one from the big book and one from um, Philippians. Ready for this? Yep. So from the big book, it's this, you know, the question, what are some simple steps or tools that I can take uh, straight out of the big book, page 86? In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine what court, which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or a decision. And here's the key. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. Yes. And for those of us who are Christian, another uh, answer to that is from Philippians, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus or in Christ consciousness, I might say, in unity. Yes, awesome. Well, we'd like to give you an affirmation that you can use to affirm these truths. And our affirmation today is focused on divine wisdom. I know what is mine to do and I do it. And once again, focused on divine wisdom. I know what is mine to do and I do it. I love to affirm that. Well, it has happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we are grateful. We hope you have found something in all of our chit-chatting today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, of course, for our discussion. It's always fun, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey. Listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Drop us a message, a comment, and give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host, please. Instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.